Hello and welcome to the Rogers Brief. I'm Adam Rogers. Thank you for watching and thank you for listening. Today was day 18 of the Mass Casualty Commission proceedings, which I watched. They went till about the uh, middle of the afternoon. And today was focused on uh, two main things. There was a witness who was uh, from the RCMP, a Corps Sergeant Major, uh, Al McCambridge, who testified about uh, officers' uniforms and the procedures around that. We heard quite a bit of testimony about that last week, and as it turned out, uh, Corps Sergeant Major McCambridge, it's a long title, uh, Corps is in uh, Peace Corps, not as in Apple Corps, by the way. Um, Sergeant Major McCambridge uh, was testifying about uniforms. He wasn't available last week, That's or else it sounds like he would have been included with the uh, thematic um, coverage of that topic last week. So he testified uh, first, uh, talking about RCMP uniforms, the disposal, all of those procedures. He's on, There's a, a national working group, I understand, that he's part of, or he chairs, that uh, deals with these kind of questions and requests from members to have uh, uniforms after they've retired, that sort of thing. All of those questions, they were covered quite thoroughly last week, and we didn't learn much new from uh, Corps Sergeant Major McCambridge uh, this morning, but... Um, there was some points of interest we'll just talk about. He was questioned by Rachel Young, who was the uh, who was the senior commission counsel. She made a point of saying senior commission counsel. I noticed that. Kind of reminds me of the Daily Show and their correspondence. Uh, also reminded me of a guy I worked for when I was articling, um, Mike Ryan, who's on his business card. He was a senior partner at uh, Cox Palmer, but on his business card he said it just says lawyer. He said that's all people need to know. Well... Depends. If you've got many, many lawyers on staff, uh, I guess they divide into senior and junior commission counsel. But in any event, so he was, uh, Corps Sergeant Major McCambridge had one annoying habit. I mentioned this on Twitter today, and I've seen other officers do this in court. He answered the, he was looking to his left to where Rachel Young was, asking him questions. But then as soon as she would ask him the question, he would then turn to his right to the commissioners and answer the question. Uh, so it really, uh, really strange thing to watch. Really strange for the lawyer because, you know, you, you've, you're talking to somebody. You're having a bit of a, it's not a conversation, but it's something like a conversation at least. And you expect them to look back at you and, and answer your questions directly. So I've seen other officers do this, um, some on purpose. If they don't like the defense lawyer, they'll turn and look to the uh, judge and answer the question so something I noticed uh, I know judges don't really like it either because they're taking notes and then if somebody's looking at them they feel they need to keep eye contact and that sort of thing so a little thing but something I noticed uh, thought you might be interested in, in hearing about there was some cross-examination uh, today and that was done by uh, Natasha Shigris of uh, Patterson Law. I know Natasha a little bit when uh, I was at Mac Mac and Mac in New Glasgow in 2019. She was articling there and was a very highly regarded young litigator at that time and uh, showed some of those skills today. Albeit on a, a fairly dry topic, the, uh, the uniforms issue was really canvassed already uh, quite thoroughly last week. But Another issue of these cross-examination, now we, when we got to the point where they were taking a break to go and, and caucus the lawyers to get together and figure out what questions would be asked and who was going to ask them, included in that meeting is commission counsel. And I think this is completely inappropriate. Uh, commission counsel, we, we hear in some media reports, are 
are guiding, are vetting, and uh, vetoing certain questions and areas of questions. And I just think that's uh, not their role at all. It should be up to the commissioners, if anybody, to um, you know narrow the lines of focus and um, vet questions before they are asked of a, of a witness. Uh, there should be a lot of flexibility. In inquiry law, generally, there is supposed to be much more flexibility about ans asking questions. You know, strict rules of relevance that you would follow in a criminal trial are not to be applied in an inquiry setting normally. Uh, so it's a, a strange process here. I don't think uh, the Mass Casualty Commission counsel, law their lawyers, should be involved in those meetings. And what I would hope to see is a lawyer challenge that notion by just getting in uh, after and asking questions that were vetoed, specifically vetoed, in fact, uh, and see what happens. You know, are the commissioners going to, how are the commissioners going to react? Are they going to allow those questions or are they going to uh, be, um, you know, allow the lawyers for the commission to supersede their authority in that way? Something to watch for. I know the lawyers are getting frustrated by this process, so wouldn't be surprised if somebody uh, goes out of bounds uh, and does something like that. I hope they do. Uh, and we should all support them if they do do that. There's some um, related or not unrelated issue, and this is going back to the Big Stop video issue. And I've talked about this before, but now we know that David Hutt, who's a very respected uh, media lawyer here in Nova Scotia, is doing uh, making an application on behalf of Frank Magazine to have that video, this sixth video, uh, disclosed and this is supposed to be a wide-angle video that shows more of the uh, the unfolding scene now of course as public we have not seen any videos from the big stop and I've identified why I think that's a problem they uh, you know it's when you see st a series of still photos it's much more difficult to get a sense of how quickly things happen rather than seeing a video which uh, I've seen some versions of the video uh, some of the other five angles that uh, have been published on Frank Magazine, and it showed that uh, the two officers that came onto the scene reacted very quickly, as they've said, but um, this other angle apparently shows them pulling in as well. And the only reason not to disclose that would be if it somehow, you know, was contrary to what those officers in their heroic telling of the story uh, have testified. So we'll see what happens. Uh, that would be the only reason. It's not a legitimate reason. Uh, of course, it's the, the opposite. That's why a video like that should be played to ensure that people are speaking truthfully. So I'm sure the officers, if they are uh, be, being accurate about what they say, they should support that. Now, there's been no... we uh, And the media that uh, were provided with videos from the Big Stop were provided those videos under a non-disclosure agreement and one of the conditions was after viewing they had to delete the videos and I understand everybody's done that and complied with it but uh, that's not proper in my view and I think one of the other things David Hutt is probably looking at is to see whether there is a public interest exception to those non-disclosure agreements could be uh, utilized in this situation I'd like to see somebody just publish it and see what happens I don't know if the Mass Casualty Commission would be on solid ground um, trying to uh, take action against anybody that did that so we'll see we'll see if that un how that unfolds and there's been no reaction yet to david hutt's application from the mass casualty commission as i understand it but they have an obligation to explain the here we have the best possible evidence of a key uh of key moments uh, very important moments and 
we're not going to use the best evidence. It just seems absurd that they wouldn't do that. Now, another thing, connect this back to the interim report that was released Monday, late Monday. In that, the commissioners note that commission counsel are somewhat akin to crown prosecutors in their role. So they are not supposed to be uh, you know, taking really one side or the other or having a view of the evidence. They're really supposed to just be responsible for laying out all of the evidence so that to enable the commissioners to make sound judgments uh, based on what's in front of them. So that's similar to the role of a crown prosecutor if done properly in a criminal trial. They're not supposed to be looking for victories or convictions, but rather seeking justice. And that came out of uh, not ironically, perhaps the Marshall Inquiry. It was one of the key uh, findings or key outcomes of the Marshall Inquiry was that we had this um, public prosecution service in Nova Scotia that was uh, seeking justice and not seeking victories, as had been the case in, in Marshall's conviction. So uh, another part of that is, of course, to provide full disclosure, which has not been done here at all because this video has been withheld. So we'll see how that unfolds if uh, if the commission hears the application which they must hear the application one would think um, but they've uh, developed a habit of, of ignoring those kind of requests so far so we'll see how this one goes the other uh, thing that came out today in the news was that james banfield the brother of lisa banfield one of three people charged with supplying ammunition uh, to the perpetrator gabriel wartman was uh uh, referred to restorative justice today so uh, we know that lisa banfield was the first and her brother brother-in-law brian brewster i think was also referred to restorative justice neither of them had entered a plea yet when they were referred to restorative justice but even if you have as james banfield has he entered a guilty plea he accepted responsibility for what he had done a minor offense uh, and certainly an appropriate offense to uh, be referred for restorative justice he was today so i was i was looking to see when that was going to happen because you know three identical charges everybody's in the same circumstances it makes sense it's just that they be treated the same so uh, despite james banfield's earlier guilty plea he was still referred to restorative justice so he'll complete that process in the next few months and then those charges will be uh, withdrawn against him now, I understand from his lawyer, Michelle James, uh, comments in the media that he uh, may also be uh, participating in the Mass Casualty Commission uh, if he's asked to do so, and I suspect he will be. So we'll see how all that unfolds as well. The other thing that happened today, so there was um, those media reports, the witness, uh, Al McCambridge, uh, Corps Sergeant Major McCambridge, there were participants' submissions, and these were submissions based on uh, the firearms evidence and expert reports that we've heard over the last few days. And there was a few key things. Uh, one from uh, Linda Hutman from Birch McDougall was uh, to remind us that Lisa Banfield is still an essential witness. She's going to have evidence on these firearms issues as well. And uh, Ms. Hutman made the point that, well, we'll see, because we know Lisa Banfield is supposed to be uh, cooperating with the commission now and is doing further interviews we expect and so we'll see what comes of those some of those questions may be answered but of course she'll still be uh, needed as a, a witness to testify at some point hopefully fairly soon the other uh, uh, 
couple of topics that came up in the participant submissions. One was this issue of Brenda Forbes and uh, Constable uh, Wiley. Brenda Forbes made some reports to the police back in uh, 2013 about a domestic violence report that she had received. Nothing further really came of that. And it looked like the police didn't properly note it when it came to them, presuming that Ms. Forbes' account is accurate about what she reported. The other part of it was a good point made by Susan Frazier from uh, um, the Coalition Against uh, Gun Violence. She says, uh, well, it's possible... She said there, there really should be expert reports, and we haven't seen an expert opinion, although there's five or six reports on, on firearms issues, connecting guns, rural life, and intimate partner violence. Those three things uh, go together. I've seen them in many criminal cases, certainly, and so be a little surprised that there hasn't been a report focused on those, uh, the nexus of those three issues. So we'll see if anything emerges there. And maybe her coalition will provide some uh, some expertise on that as well. The other one was uh, Susan Fraser. This is her first time speaking in the uh, commission proceedings, and she, uh, as sort of a fresh voice, raised the issue again about the level of participation that lawyers for the participants have been able to um, have been have been able to receive um, versus what she thinks they're entitled to receive, which is much more. Uh, specifically, she was talking about the roundtable that happened last week. She says, well, these are witnesses and these are people whose testimony is going to be heard and is going to be considered by the commissioners. It would make sense then for the other parties to have a chance to ask them some questions and, and you know, delve into those topics a little further from their own perspective or from their client's perspective. So uh, I, I thought that was a good point that she raised as well. The other one was... With Constable Wiley, we know he visited uh, Gabriel Wartman many, many times, uh, I think uh, over a dozen times, I think up to 15 or 16 times he'd been to his place. So, you know, that's a fairly um, close friendship or acquaintanceship in some ways. That's a lot of visits. Not sure if uh, Constable Wiley was in the habit of visiting other people in the area as well or just uh, Gabriel Wartman, but... A point that was raised by uh, Susan Fraser was sometimes it's more difficult maybe for somebody to report, hey, I know this guy has guns, he's got illegal guns, I know he doesn't have a license, if you know that one of their friends is a police officer. Uh, you know, maybe that makes the situation a little more difficult in terms of uh, reporting uh, to the police. So, And Constable Wiley was involved early on in checking in on Wartman on, to see whether he had possession of firearms too, so... Certainly we'll want to hear from him. Uh, we'll want to hear from Brenda Forbes as well, I think, to hear more about her report and how, uh, in her memory, she portrayed the situation to the police and what they did with that information. So lots of lots of things coming from today, although uh, some of the topics were, had already, the ground had already been covered and the topics were fairly dry, but there was certainly a busy day nevertheless. And uh, so that was some of the things that, uh, that stood out to me as relevant for today. Uh, tomorrow we have a big day. There's uh, going to be witnesses testifying. First in a panel, uh, Terry Brown and Dave Melanson, who took their shots at the Onslow Belmont uh, Fire Hall, Fire Brigade building. So we're going to hear from them. They're going to testify as a panel. And then we're going to hear later from Constable Ian Fahey and Corporal Dwayne Ivany, who treated uh, Heather O'Brien in her vehicle uh, Constable uh, Fahey first, and then uh, Dwayne Ivany, Corporal Ivany, took over as a, a, 
RCMP medic uh, took over her her care at that time. So we'll hear from them. Uh, this was the issue with the Fitbit that we heard uh, testimony. Well, we didn't hear uh, about the Fitbit originally. We heard from Dr. Bowes uh, and his opinion on when Miss O'Brien's death would have occurred. So now we'll hear directly from the officers who were there on the scene and what they saw and did and just the atmosphere. When you read their statements, they describe an atmosphere where they seem to think you know, the gunman could be behind any tree or, or just down the road. So they were, um, seemed to be in, in a bit of a state at that point. So we'll see how their testimony goes. Uh, that was it for today. Those are the relevant portions of uh, today's proceedings. Tomorrow's going to be a, a big day, as I said, and I'll be watching closely and uh, bringing you my thoughts uh, occasionally on Twitter and certainly after the fact here on uh, YouTube and in written form as well. So hope you watch then. Thank you for watching today. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, all those good things, and we will see you next time.